This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. The good day for college football yesterday included the official expansion of the college football playoff to 12 teams. 2024-2025, a 5-7 and seven format. What does that mean? Top five conference champs, seven at-large teams. It was originally a 6-6, six and six, but since there is no Pac-12 really anymore, we have now made it a 5-7. and seven. The four highest-ranked champions will be seeded one through four. They'll get a first-round bye. The other eight teams will basically be eight, um, excuse me, five through 12 in a tournament-style format. First rounds will be on campus in mid-December. Then the quarterfinals will be December 31st and January 1st. The semifinals will be January 9th, which is normally when the conference, uh, when the uh, national championship game is. And the title game will actually be all the way into January, January 20th in Atlanta. Now, one of the big holes that people have poked in this would be the Notre Dame part of this in that they are not in a conference, so they can't finish in the top Five, based on the fact that those would be the top five highest-ranked conference champions. Heather Dinich, ESPN College Football Reporter, had this to say on the 6 p.m. Sports Center about this with Notre Dame. That means that their path to the playoff is through an at-large bid and only an at-large bid, one of those seven spots. And Notre Dame is well aware of this. Remember, Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick was one of the original co-authors of this proposal back in 2019. So it was a concession he was willing to make in order to get the playoff to expand and to have everyone to agree to the 12-team format. But Notre Dame could conceivably be the number one one team in the country on selection day and it can't be high seated higher than number five because it would fall behind those four conference champions I spoke about earlier and Kevin that's just not for Notre Dame that's for Washington State and Oregon State as well which also can't win a Pac-12 title this year or next year. Heather Dinich there, 6 p.m. Sports Center. Kevin Nagandi on ESPN. So before we get to Pat's uh, anti-12 team playoff take, <laughs> let's let's decide: Do we like this? Do we not like this? Are there holes to poke outside of Notre Dame in this? I mean, I love this. And here's the thing: I don't think dramatically changing the format that was proposed for the outliers that will be Washington State, Oregon State, and Notre Dame are the way to go. Right? I, I just I just don't see it that way. I, I think in the shifting landscape of college football with conference lead alignment. It's becoming increasingly more important to make sure that teams that are in these super conferences have the opportunity for multiple playoff berths, right? Multiple teams getting playoff berths. And when I'm talking about the super conferences, I'm really talking about the Big Ten and the SEC. Mm-hmm. And based on the proposed format for 2024, if we go back to last year's college football playoff rankings, the final rankings, you would have three Big Ten teams and four SEC teams in the mix in that 12-team format to compete for a national title. And I think everybody would agree that all of those teams would have a case to be made to have a chance to win a national title. People would look at them as being a viable title contender. So I I love the idea that we're going to this format in in terms of the fairness and giving people across the college football landscape an opportunity to be represented that's baked into this. But most importantly, you're going to be able to have multiple teams from these super conferences that have a chance to win a chip, even if they're not the conference winner. 
Yeah, I love it as well. I love that more teams are getting thrown into the pool to compete for a national title. I absolutely love that the first round games are going to be played at the home site of the better seed. Imagine what that environment's going to be like. Oh. That's going to be unreal. And another another thing that I think we're going to look towards as an advantage in all of this is which team's going to be able to host those first round games. And I love that conference championships still matter because even though we do have this ever-shifting landscape of college football and we have teams joining these conferences and making these super conferences, even though they're getting bolstered, somehow to me it feels like there's been an erosion of what it means to be in the Big Ten or the SEC because it's it's changing. It's not what we're used to. So the fact that these teams are going to be emerging as a conference champion and that that game still matters, I think is really important. Yeah, it's funny. that I go the opposite on that one. I, I think that's the dangerous part of this, and they're never going to get rid of it because it's it's too prominent relative to money, right, and, and exposure. But that's where – CeCe, bring up go, – go through your Pittsburgh example from a couple of years ago because that's where the conference championship thing is risky. Yeah, I mean, listen, you could have a team that's ranked number one that doesn't belong to a conference like Notre Dame, and yet they would have to be, at best, a five seed in any given year, and you would be talking about a Pittsburgh team from a couple of years ago that won the ACC having multiple losses on their resume getting the first round by. So, in essence, what you would be saying is that Notre Dame, even though they were the number one ranked team, would have to play one more game in, on their way to winning a national title in the playoff. So you're talking about them having to win four games to win a title as opposed to a two-loss Pittsburgh team if you're going back to the 2021 season, which would only have to win three games. And that's where the conference championship obviously is is a little tricky. Now, I am somebody, and I get laughed at for saying this, I am somebody that actually liked the BCS mm. because I thought that college football, more than any other sport, crowned the right champion every single year because we always took the two best teams. Now, there was the one year, obviously, where we had multiple undefeated teams and Auburn was on the outside looking in, what, 2004 maybe, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. and that uh, was a really good Auburn team. And, yeah. that, and that was a bad moment. I, I can't fight that off, yeah. obviously. But if you look at the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournament, it's not always the best team that wins. It's the hottest team at that time of year. In the NBA, you don't always get the best teams in the, in the end. Now, this year in the NFL... You obviously got the best teams, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that every sport gets it. What are you looking at me like because that for? Wh- but isn't that what makes sports great is that sometimes it's not the most talented team or the best regular season team that wins. Like This is why we love sports is the randomness and the spontaneity of the playoffs. Yes, but I guess my point is that the B- when, during the BCS era, what you have was that every single week in the regular season in college football, it mattered more than any other regular season. We have diminished the regular season in all sports to such an extent that it's dangerous. It's actually dangerous for the broadcast rights and the money in the sports, etc., because the NBA has to put in limits for the amount of games these guys are playing. We've, we just had the conversation last week about the regular season for some of these teams in the NFL in this Chiefs model of... Like, hey, it didn't really matter that much for them. They're just that good. The regular season's been diminished. College basketball regular season, because of the expansion of the tournament, has been diminished to some extent. College football during that era, you couldn't lose. You could never lose. And it was a must-win every single week. So I actually liked that. Now, that's long gone. Pat Costello, you are one of one so far. And maybe you can – I think I'm the most convincible. We'll see. (laughs) That you don't actually like the 12-team playoff. No, because I'm more of the casual fan of college football. I don't need to see 12 teams. I need I want I want to see the six best teams 
competing for the national championship. And most years, there aren't 12 teams who are going to come close. Like Penn State is not going to win a national championship. I don't need them in the playoffs. I'd rather see Alabama and Georgia play. What a dis at Penn State. Well, I'm just I, I, I'm just using I, I, them as an example. I know, but like you, but you LSU, don't know. LSU is not a team that's going to win. I don't want to see TCU and Georgia in the national championship. Are you, are you just talking okay. about last year specifically? Because so LSU be, could definitely win. You, a you just wanted to be SEC teams an SEC champion. I'm good basically. with that. I'm fine with if that. If those are the best five, five, six teams, whatever, then yeah, that's who I want to see playing. So, Pat, do you like the NFL playoff format? Yes. Uh, I mean, but, but <laughs> was Green Bay going to win a, a, a Super Bowl this year? Was Pittsburgh going to win a Super Bowl this year? No. Okay, so I mean, but but they're in the playoffs. They're going to have something to say about who the the Super Bowl winner is ultimately going to be, even though they don't have a chance of actually winning the whole thing. So I mean, I I I'm a fan of playoff expansion just because I think there are going to be more teams that have opportunities to influence what we're going to see, even if they don't have a chance at winning a national title. Hit. So say for if, say for instance, we're looking at what happened last year. Uh, I mean. Yeah, Georgia, to me, was one of the best teams in all of college football. They got tripped up in the conference championship game against Alabama. But if we're adopting the 12-team format based on last season, Georgia would have had to play Ole Miss in the first round of the playoffs. And there's no telling what could have happened in that game. I would think Georgia would win it. But who knows? Ole Miss might upset them. I guess the potential to have that is what's intriguing to me. And I think that's what's going to draw in the interest, at least early on under the new the new rules. You know, Pat just said something that triggered a thought for me. And I have to preface this by saying I am a graduate, a proud graduate of the University of Wisconsin, Big Ten school. If you said to me I could see a 12-team college football playoff or an SEC college football tournament for the title, I would choose the SEC. What? If you, if you told me that at the end of the season, the entire – I see you, Jovante, Michigan grad. I yeah. see you rubbing your eyes mad at me. I see that as a, as a champ, but I'm telling you right now, if I had an SEC football tournament at the end of the year, that would be awesome. That would be better than a college football playoff. The rivalries, the pageantry, those schools, oh my God, I'd love that. Even though we have the SEC a rain. already has that. It's called their regular season. Yes. And you say this even though we have so a reigning Big that Ten champion. CC, well, that means CC is not fighting it off. I, he is not dismissing this based on what he just CC, said. CC, as a proud Michigan man, I expect more from you. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it already exists. It's called their regular season. But then not <laughs> all the these teams get in. Mi- but that's the same thing with Michigan. It's their regular season. Like, think about it. In the Big Ten and the SEC, if you lose a game, it's almost as if you're eliminated from conference championship. Not anymore. If you, if you lose a game in your division. Okay. If you lose a game in your division in those two respective conferences – you're probably not going to make it to the conference championship game. That's the reality of the SEC. That's the reality of the Big Ten. Well, I mean, that's, that's why we highlight Michigan-Ohio State every single year. Yes. Because the winner of that game is going to go on to the conference championship game and likely the playoffs. Like, so, I mean, they, they, those things already exist, so I don't think we need to be redundant and having an SEC tournament oh, at the end of the season yeah, or, or, it's juicy. or a Big Ten tournament. So it's just saying, juicy. Real it's quick, juicy. You're thinking about it. The point that you made is basically the point that I'm landing on is that we think parody is this great thing in sports, and parody is not a good thing in sports most of the time because it just leads to things being less interesting than they should be. Yeah, but here's the thing. In, in football, I think you have the potential for an outlier, especially if you're talking about the top 12 teams in the country. 
right? I, I think that's the thing. Like, because you've expanded the playoff format – and, and we were talking about having those conference winners and then essentially, you know, seven at-large bids, I think you have the potential for some upsets in the earlier rounds of the playoffs, even though it might be an inferior team that that has to get matched up uh, in, in that round. So I just – that's the part of this that I think is really, really interesting. Postseason play is different than regular season play, and sometimes being being your best or being the hot team matters more than being the more talented team. And I guess that's why I wanted to see the expansion of the playoff. 888-SAY-ESPN. 888-729-3776. Your telephone number to join the show here on Unsportsmanlike. Presented by Progressive Insurance. ESPN Radio. ESPNU. Did they get it right? Do you like the college football playoff with the 12 teams, the 5 plus 7, knowing that Notre Dame could be on the outside looking in of the top 5 based on the fact they're not in a conference? We could get a conference champion that necessarily is not a top 5 or even top 12 team in there. Did they get it right? 888-SAY-ESPN. We're on Sportsmanlike. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Doc Rivers versus J.J. Redick versus Austin Rivers. With a little Pat Bev and Kendrick Perkins sprinkled in there as well. We'll get to that in just a couple of minutes. What a combo. I mean, seriously, didn't see that one coming. But a lot of drama about the college football playoff here. Yeah, I said what I said. Harry Douglas, who's tweeting at me at FCO Radio about this. Yeah, I'd love to see an SEC tournament. I mean, if we had an SEC tournament and maybe a Big Ten tournament or Big 12, Big Ten combo, and then the winners play each other, oh, that would be juicy. Just just throwing it out there. Uh, Paul in Toledo, listening on 100.7 The Ticket, joins us. Hi, how you guys doing? Morning. Morning. Hey, um, I just wanted to let you guys know, the Big Ten changed their format. They're, they're no longer doing divisions. It's going to be the top two schools to play each other. So it would have been like last year, it would have been Ohio State and Michigan playing back-to-back weeks. Right. Well, but either either way, it's the same. But either way, it's the same thing. There's a conference championship game, right? And and what the point that CC has made is Notre Dame now has to play an extra game against the top twelve team, where other conference champions don't necessarily have to play against another top twelve team in their conference championship game. And thanks for the call. And then get a bye. Right, I don't want to mischaracterize what you're saying, CC, about the penalty yeah. that Notre Dame is facing because they have refused to join a conference, which is their right. But there's now a residual effect of that mm-hmm. with this new format. 
Yeah, I mean, you're going to play a much better team in the playoffs in that first round than you would probably otherwise face in whatever conference that you would join in that title game. So that that's the part where it gets a little bit clunky. But there's not going to be a perfect system, right? And, and so to try to to try to build a system where you account for the outliers that are Notre Dame and Oregon State and Washington State is absolutely ridiculous. But to that caller's point about the, the, the Big Ten and Michigan, Ohio State, I, I mean, the whole point of me bringing that up is that those two, two teams usually face off at the end of the season for the right to get to the playoff because whoever they would face in the conference title game would be a non-factor. Now, I guess they're changing it. And so I don't know if that sets itself up for a rematch between Michigan and Ohio State a week after they play in the conference title game, regardless of who wins. I think that might be a little bit unfair. But the whole point is you have to get through those teams in order to get to a championship mm-hmm. in terms of your respective divisions. And I, I just it, – it becomes really interesting in terms of who gets the first round by and who has to play in the first round. I think that's where the controversy will come from the committee, the selection committee, under this new playoff format. But I don't think we're going to be talking about somebody not getting a fair shake to compete for a national championship if you're outside of that top 12. No, we'll definitely still talk about it, I think. There's always going to be some team that feels slighted or makes some noise, but I think that's part of the beauty of all of this, right? Is that yeah, there but still if you're outside of the top, top 12, do you have a case to be made, those smalls? If you're outside of the top 12? We will find a way to make the case somehow, CC. Okay. You know that right. some school or some university is going to feel slighted in some way. But I think the debate part of this is actually what makes it great. I think the fact that we still are going to be debating the conference champion being seated higher than potentially a team that's ranked higher is good for the college football playoff, is good for the sport. And as far as Notre Dame is concerned, you're never going to be able to find something that is uniformly approved or that fits everybody. It's not a one-size-fit-all. And I feel like this is the committee in college football saying to Notre Dame, this is a you problem now. I think there are there are two ways of automatic bids right now for this college football playoff. I'm actually really curious if there's a third. So here are the two ways of the automatic bid. You either win your conference, a Power 5 conference, like that's an automatic bid, or you go undefeated if you're Notre Dame, right? That's an mm-hmm. automatic bid. What if you're undefeated as a, a non-Power 5? So you're a group of five, you're undefeated. Do we think that's an automatic bid? I mean, yeah, I mean, it won't be considered an automatic bid, but I'd be surprised if they were left out, right? I mean, if you're undefeated as a group of five team, you're going to get in. I mean, that's what the format accounts for, right? That fifth conference winner being a group of five winner, if you're undefeated, then you're probably going to get in. If you're UCF from years ago when they were undefeated and they claimed national champ, like (laughs) – I think you're right. I don't think you should be right. Like, I think that we should still look at it as like, all right, are we sure the fourth best team in the SEC is not better than Liberty? I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. But I mean, but like I guess, I guess just... the case the case to be made is don't be the fourth best team in the SEC. Exactly. But under the, cur- <laughs> under the current format, the fourth, be- fourth best team in the SEC last year would have got in. Right, right. So don't be the fifth best team, I guess, is the best yeah, exactly. way of saying it here. <laughs> all right, so uh, speaking of drama – Let's just try to walk through what we heard yesterday in and around the Milwaukee Bucks that really actually had nothing to do with anything on the court necessarily with the Milwaukee Bucks. Doc Rivers, Bucks head coach, former ESPN teammate of ours, was on SiriusXM NBA radio and had this to say about Milwaukee firing then head coach Adrian Griffin. Personally, I, you know, I'll be honest, I, I told our owners uh, when they called, I said, I think you... I don't understand why you're doing this, you know. Um, and they said, you know, one of the things they said was, well, it doesn't matter. We're, we've done it now. And um, we, we, we want you. 
And, and so that was a tough one. I didn't. I, that was. That's where you had the hesitation. Okay, so Doc was in a consultant advisory role, and Wes Edens and Jimmy Haslam, the two majority governors or the two governors, primary governors of the team, probably call him, reach out, and make that conversation. He's questioning their decision making, and their decision making is likely because they knew they had Doc Rivers available to them. And JJ Redick yesterday on first take, who played for Doc Rivers in Los Angeles with the Clippers, had this to say about his former coach. I've seen the trend now. I've seen the trend for years. What's the trend? The trend is always making excuses. Get Doc, we get it. Taking over a team in the middle of the season is hard. It's hard. We get it. Just like getting traded in the middle of the season is hard for a player. We get it. Mm -hmm. But it's always an excuse. It's always throwing your team under the bus. They lose to Memphis. Oh, it's his players. Memphis was playing G League guys and two-way guys. And then you look at his quotes over the weekend. Now he wants to take credit. For the James Harden trade to the Clippers working out, he wants credit for that. There's just no, <laughs> there's never accountability with that guy. Well, uh, JJ Redick actually is replacing Doc Rivers in the broadcast booth with Mike Breed and Doris Burke for the NBA Finals this year here on ESPN and ABC. Uh, Doc Rivers' son Austin, who's been a guest on our show, was on NBA Today yesterday with Malika Andrews, is an ESPN analyst, and uh, responded to a fellow Dukies comment. First off, I don't feel responsible to take off for my dad. He's a grown man. He could do his own thing. Uh, but in this regard, I just simply don't agree with it. Um, for someone who's not accountable, he seems to always be held responsible, considering he's the guy that's always fired when things don't go right. <laughs> he got fired in the bubble uh, for a 3-1 lead versus the Denver Nuggets, which in half his team didn't want to be there. They had players saying that their mind wasn't there. He had guys leave. That happened. Then he gets fired for losing to a team that was favored over him, which was the Celtics last year. It seems like he's always responsible. It's just strange coming from J.J. And I have some love for J.J. You're my dookie. You know that. You're my bro. I love you. (laughs) It's just your best years were with the Clippers. I don't think he saved your career. I appreciate you, Pat. But this just seems a little bit weird. They're they're three and seven. Dame's missed most of those games. Milton's missed a lot of those games. They haven't even had their full team yet. We'll see what happens. The pressure is there. They do have to perform. But in terms of accountability, like what, what are we doing here? Your best years in the NBA were when you played for him in the Clippers. Let's not forget that. I don't know if there's like frustration there or there's tension there between you. I know a lot of times we had to sit you towards the end of the game due to defensive reasons, but you had your best years as a starter there, especially our whole system was drafted around you because you're a shooter. You're not a guy who could put the ball on the floor. You were a strictly shoot guy. You're not like Clay Thompson or Steph who could put the ball on the floor. You were a guy who could catch and shoot, and you did it at a high level. Hell of a career, by the way. Big fan. But your best years were under him. It's just very ironic and kind of weird that you have this energy towards him in terms of him never, ever being accountable, considering he's always been responsible. That's actually kind of a clinic by Austin Rivers, no? It's like the perfect compli salt. Love you, you're a dookie, great career, but I know we had to bench you sometimes because of defensive <laughs> reasons. You're, you're my boy, but I, this feels really weird and personal. <laughs> he does such a good job it was, it of was trying so to keep much, it, was it respect, No doubt, respectful shade. That, that, is yeah. like, that is a master class in respectful shade. Like That's when you sign off respectfully, Smalls, yeah. when you send that corporate email respectfully, or per my previous email, oh boy. that's exactly what Austin Rivers did right there. 100%. Masterclass in that. But here's the thing. I, I, I hated the fact that J.J. tried to use a false equivalent with a head coach being parachuted into a situation in the middle of the season after they fired the head coach after the first couple of months of the year before the All-Star break. Like, that's not the same thing as a player being traded in the middle of the season. It's just not in terms of the roles, the responsibilities, and the approach. So there's that part of it. But then the other part about Doc Rivers never taking accountability, 
I mean, arguably his biggest playoff collapse is what we saw in the conference finals when you're when you're talking about the bubble back in 2020 when they had a three one lead over the over the Denver Nuggets. And, and 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 Doc Rivers said he said we didn't meet the expectations. That's the bottom line. And I quote, "I'm the coach, and I'll take the blame for it." That that's what Doc Rivers said. He's taking the blame for his team coming up short of the expectations that everybody had on them and that they put on themselves in that given season. So to sit here and say that Doc Rivers doesn't take any accountability, doesn't take any responsibility for his team not having the kind of success that everybody thinks they should, is just flat wrong. My biggest takeaway is I don't think Clay Thompson's a dribbler. I don't know what Austin's talking about <laughs> with that. We're on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Kevin Clark hosts... This is Football Podcast Omaha Productions. It's a member of the ESPN family. Has the best headshot of anybody, right? Great headshot. Yeah, I don't know if we're using it today. Hopefully we do. I mean, he has the GQ headshot better than any person at ESPN. Ah, there it is (laughs) on ESPNU. And he joins us now. Do you know which picture we are talking about, Kevin, before we get into any football stuff? Is this the one where I'm staring right into the camera? Yes, it's full blue steel. The striped shirt, horizontal stripes? Yeah, Oh yeah, 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 that one, the second one. Yeah, yeah, the, my my uh, my indie rock photo shoot <laughs> yeah, from a couple of years ago. Yeah, when, when give us the description of that. You're a great storyteller. Yeah. Give us the background so, of that. So, so that was uh, probably 2019 at the Ringer, and I had had one in 2016 of a, a photo shoot. Everybody at the Ringer did. That looked like a total serial killer, and this isn't much better. Um, but at least it looked like a hip serial killer at this point. Um, and so it, it, it's it's. Uh, it's something that I'm trying to get scrubbed off the internet, but uh, it doesn't work just yet. And I'm so glad you guys bring it back every single time. Yeah, we do. Uh, My favorite rock band is the Killers. I I think you're a part of the Killers in this picture, as a matter of fact. Um, All right, now let's talk some football here. You put out that. When I I took that photo, Ryan Rosillo, actually, all our friend, uh, he said to me, it looked like the Killers looked at me and said, whoa, you're doing too much, buddy. (laughs) Wow, I didn't even know that. What what a great, now I'm proud of myself. I have nothing else to add to this interview and this there conversation. You know. uh, Kevin, let's talk some college football first before we get into the NFL. Yeah. You put out there yesterday that the perfect college football playoff was one that never existed. Explain. You know, six teams. Um, because I think the way college football works 
is scarcity is the backbone of the sport and perfection is the backbone of the sport. There are not 12 teams that can conceivably win the championship in a given year. They're probably not eight, but are there five in most years? Probably. Do you want to see five or six? Do you want to see a team like Tulane a couple of years ago get a shot to do it? I think rewarding the top two teams in the country, which, by the way, normally there are only two teams that can win the national championship. I think rewarding those teams with buys, um, even using the traditional bowl system, almost like a plus one, where you have six teams in contention, they play each other, then you kind of re-rack. And, and do a national championship two weeks later. I just think that the 12 is, is too much. Um, four is too little. Um, I think the BCS uh, probably didn't get the credit it deserved uh, in most years, and there were only a handful of years where you needed more teams than that. Um, but I think six was perfect, and I just think 12 is going to dilute what makes college football amazing, which is the feeling that if you lose one game, you're out of contention. And I think a 9-3 SEC team or, God forbid, an 8-4 Big Ten team making the playoff is going to hurt that because you're going to have Ohio State losing to uh, you know, some, some Big Ten rival, and normally you'd say, hey, we just ruined their season, and now you're saying, oh, we just ruined their seeding from a three seed to an eight seed. Um, and I think that at some point that starts to chip away at why we love this game, which is that a loss makes you feel like you want to die. And, and I just feel like we need to, we need to keep, keep going. I went to Miami, and, you know, the third loss every single year, um, which comes earlier and earlier every single year, um, <laughs> always, always really upsets me. And at some point, I'm going to say, oh, well, maybe we can sneak in the back door, almost like it's, it's the NBA playoffs at some point. And I just I don't think that that's why we love the sport. Well, Kevin, I hear you when it comes to diluting the sport, but I would argue that it's not the playoff that's diluting the sport. It's conference realignment that's doing so because yeah. we're really only talking about two preeminent conferences, that being the Big Ten and the SEC. How could you then have a playoff format that doesn't allow for the potential for multiple at-large bids for non-conference winners coming out of the Big Ten or the SEC? Yeah, I think the first step is to get a DeLorean and just get a time machine and just undo some of this stuff. But obviously, um, the horse is out of the barn as far as that stuff goes, and it's disappointing. My feeling is, I think if you're going to go and you're going to take the check and you're going to be um, Oregon or Washington, and you're going to say, okay, you know, they had a chance to save, save the Pac-12. Obviously, the Pac-12 was a mess, but they them jumping is what dissolved it. Well, I mean, you just went to a more competitive conference. That's always been the case in the SEC. Everybody's always said, hey, the, the SEC's fourth team would, would, would be the top two in the ACC or win the Pac-12 every year or would, or would compete in the Big 12. Well, that's kind of the, the tax you're going to have to pay for being in the power, too. You're going to have at-large bids. In most cases, you're probably going to have three teams uh, out of the SEC at minimum. Um, I understand that part of it um, in, in the 12 team. And I think in the SEC, you'd have two. Um, I just don't think you need three, four teams um, from a given conference, from a Big Ten type of conference uh, in, in that. And I think, you know, the conference realignment is completely, you're right, diluted everything. And I think it's going to really chip away in, in as much that, you know, my favorite thing in the world, well, I was just with some of my friends from Florida State um, over the weekend, and my favorite thing is just talk trash to those guys and just say, hey, you guys are going <laughs> to come back down to earth, and, you know, you guys, you, know, you guys are a portal team. I don't mean it. Florida State's going to be pretty good this year. Um, but I don't know what would happen if Florida State left and goes and joins the Big Ten and Miami ends up in the SEC in five years. That's that's not fun to me. I think that the hatred uh, is, is what, what propels everything, and the more you, you abandon those traditional rivalries, guys, um, the more it becomes a minor league to the NFL, which I don't think a lot of people want who currently love college football. My advice to the people doing college football right now, running college football, is to come 
come at it from a place of loving college football first and not as a business. I know that that might be unrealistic, but good things will happen when you actually love the sport. And there are very few people who love the sport who currently run it. Kevin, let's stay in the advice space, but pivot to the NFL. I know on the This Is Football podcast, you just put out uh, stuff with Marcus Spears about the Dallas Cowboys. And it feels like every day we're talking about the Cowboys. They're in the headlines for a different reason. Today, it's Micah Parsons talking about Dak Prescott being able to compare to AFC quarterbacks not named Patrick Mahomes. But if you're staying in the advice space, the Dallas Cowboys have a lot of talent, even more drama surrounding them. How do they get closer to winning a Super Bowl? How do they get closer to winning a title? Yeah, so Marcus made the best point, which is that draft and develop, while extremely admirable, and the Cowboys do it very well. Think of all of them. You just mentioned Micah Parsons. That's a draft guy who's an absolute superstar. Um, Dak Prescott, you know, not, not I picked outside the first round, still a really good player, um, top 10 quarterback in, in most years. But that's not what you need to win a Super Bowl. You need to do that. And then you need to go all in from there. Um, and Jerry says he's all in, but he doesn't. A lot of people can say they're all in. Um, it's nothing to live, uh, build your life around being all in. And that means aggressive trades. That means aggressive free agent signings. Last year, Brandon Cooks, you know, as Marcus said on my show, that didn't put them over the top. So you have to take that talent because the Chiefs did. I mean, think about the Chiefs. They have Patrick Mahomes. They have Travis Kelsey. They have Chris Jones. Well, they go out and they sign two of the most expensive linemen in football. Um, they went out and they, um, just a guy like Justin Reed, um, they went and, and, and spent money to fill their holes. And that's, that's the way that this, this league works now is that the salary cap explodes every single year. And so if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm not going to say, wow, I'm so proud of myself for stat for, for drafting 30 guys who are borderline pro bowlers or, or starters or, you know, who got to the second contract or whatever, that's old football. What you do now is you take those guys and you augment them with a handful of aggressive signings and aggressive trades. And that's what you need to get to the, the kind of first cut of contenders in the NFL now. And so I think Jerry needs to change the way he operates. Um, you have to be really aggressive. I remember talking to Brett Beach about this, the Chiefs GM, a couple of years ago. And I asked him, hey, are you all in? Because this is Mahomes' last cheap year. And he said, are you all in? And he said, no. Every team that wants to win is all in every single year. And I think the Rams kind of, what, five years ago, it seemed special when they did it. But that's not how teams operate now. They're spending and being aggressive every single year. You see that with the Chiefs. You see that with the Niners. You see that with the Eagles. And the Cowboys never are. They just seem content. And I think they need to change the way they operate in order to actually go from good to great, which, by the way, is the hardest thing to do in football. Kevin, really quickly, what should the Chicago Bears do with Justin Fields? Trade him, have a have an auction, and, uh, and just say get your bids in and trade them. Hopefully for a high second round pick. Um, that that's just that's just the way, the the best value. Uh, do right by him. Sounds like Atlanta would be a good fit. Good new coaching staff and all that stuff. But I think you just you just start the Caleb Williams process as, as soon as possible and don't don't play a lot of games as far as that goes. Kevin Clark is the host of the This Is Football podcast, Omaha Productions, available wherever you get your podcast, ESPN app. He's also a part of the band The Killers, and he joined <laughs> us here on Unsportsmanlike. Thank you, Kevin. We appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Love it. All right, there is Kevin Clark joining us here on Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, talking a lot about the college football playoff. And, CC, I know people are going to go to Vivid Seats because there's more games now in that postseason to get their tickets for the college football playoff. Oh, you bet they are. Secure your seats and the memories this year from Vivid Seats, your home for every dunk, every slap shot, and every stolen base. 
Vivid Seats celebrates fandom with unbeatable rewards like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. With Vivid Seats rewards you earn with every purchase. From every buzzer beater to walk-off home runs, Vivid Seats has a great selection and great prices on all the games that matter to you. Just visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Whose Super Bowl party would you like to attend? Let's party! Who would you let babysit your kids? We're just going to play with matches, run with scissors. Or, oh yeah, who would you enjoy some pumpkin pie with? It's another edition of the ESPN Personality Draft. On unsportsmanlike. I mean, Mel Kuyper doing our voiceover work is one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me in my career. I gotta be honest with you. It's iconic. It's so awesome. Great job, whoever did that. Who are we giving credit to? Rob, amazing. Rob Lorenzo, our social and digital guy, coming up with that. Just awesome work. Who did? Who came up with that? We gotta give them public credit here. Nobody. Nuno. Nuno. Pat. Giovante. Giovante. It was Tim Thomas. Thank you to Tim. All right, Tim. Great production great guy. Amazing. Amazing. And thank you to Mel for doing it. Yes, unbelievable. All right. Each and every Wednesday, we do our ESPN personality draft. We pitch, pick a topic. We draft it. Today's topic mm-hmm. is Survivor, the TV show Survivor. Because somehow, someway on this show, Michelle Smallman was considered an outdoors person. I am. Yeah. and I see. Yeah, you are. I hike. You are. By the way that CC defined it. A yacht in the Hamptons is technically mm-hmm. outdoors. No. You are right about that. Your girl loves a bonfire. How big is the house that the bonfire is in front of? No, we're just in the woods. 10,000 square foot home in the Hamptons <laughs> on the water. Hanging out in the woods. I love West. a bonfire. You had someone come in and tie your shoes this morning. I did not request that. She just did it herself. Yeah, outdoors person over here. All right, Smalls, let's kick off the survivor draft. Okay, so. Coming in at number one for me, my first overall draft pick for ESPN Survivor and our personality power rankings is Adam Schefter. Because Schefter always is plugged in. No matter what situation allows us to land on the island, somehow Schefter is going to smuggle a phone and he's going to be able to reach the outside world to get us help. Adam Schefter is the guy. Number one overall for me. Yeah, you always want to have insider information when you're trying to win the Survivor competition, so Adam Schefter is a good way to go. I'm going to go with our resident fitness guru. That would be one, Shannon Sharp. Between between the two of us, I think there's no challenge that we wouldn't be able to manage in Survivor, so I'm going to go with Shannon Sharp as my first pick for ESPN Survivor. Hold on real quick. So Shannon Sharp, though, now is – used to luxury cc we see him sitting by the fire he's he's in the very plush accommodations how do we think that he would react to being in the wilderness or being on an island i think he'd be just fine with it shannon sharp is proud of his humble beginnings i think this guy will manage just fine <laughs> who said he didn't start that fine. fire 
Maybe he made it himself. Maybe he did. Maybe he <laughs> chopped down the wood. Yeah, you never know. All right. Uh, exactly. my, my first two picks here, we're doing it snake draft style. I will go with the person that really stakes his claim as an outdoorsman. He hunts. He fishes. He does all that kind of stuff. Harry Douglas. Even though Harry's coming after me about my SEC tournament uh, take today that I'd rather that than a college football playoff, I'll still take Harry, 3P to 7P Eastern. And my second one is a man who's been all over the world for broadcasting, a man who climbs and hikes and does everything. is an insane physical condition. Chris Fowler, the voice of college football. Nice. Nice. And tennis. Very, very nice. All right, for my second pick in ESPN Survivor, I'm going with Malika Andrews, host of NBA Today. If she can keep her focus and poise while doing a show with Richard Jefferson's shirt completely undone, then that's somebody that can make sure that they can play the point guard in direct traffic, be the brains of the operation for any challenge that we might face. So Malika Andrews, my second pick in ESPN Survivor. CeCe, you always like to say false equivalency. Like, don't equate this to that. That's not the same thing. I just want to make sure, are we using false equivalency when it comes to surviving on a desert island and surviving Richard Jefferson unbuttoning <laughs> his shirt? No. No, that's, that's no. regular equivalency. Got that's it. Okay. Regular equivalency. Yeah. Got it's it. On okay. the same level. Same level. Same level. Okay. Smalls, you got two. All right. Well, to round out my top three to accompany Adam Schefter on our Survivor team, I got to go with Dan Orlovsky next. Dan Orlovsky Ooh. eats the weirdest food combinations, so whatever was available to eat on the island or in the wilderness, he would eat it. A bug, doesn't matter. A fish that we plucked out of the lake and we're trying to grill over an open fire that has the weird eyeball still in it. He'd probably eat it. So I know that Dan Orlovsky, he'd probably be the last guy standing, honestly, because of everything that he would be able to endure, especially when it comes to food. I don't think I would be able to. Orlovsky would, so he's my number two pick. And rounding this out, I thought about all of us on the island together and what the circumstances would be that we would have to overcome. I know that I will freak out. If we are stuck on a deserted island, there's going to be a moment where I panic and I think this is where I'm going to die. So we need somebody who's going to be able to navigate the personalities, bring us all together and keep us focused on the task at hand, which is getting off that island. That's why we need a coach and we need Rex Ryan. He's already been in a reality competition. He knows how to do this. Rex Ryan is a survivor. He would get us all to the finish line, which is getting home. I hear you on that one, Smalls. For me, when you're trying to win Survivor, you need somebody of a particular set of skills and somebody that has next-level toughness. So I'm going to go with ESPN hockey analyst P.K. Subban. It's a good one. P.K. Subban. I mean, hockey players are just a different level of tough. I mean, you talk about guys with you know teeth knocked out, guys with broken nose, guys with broken ribs, and yet they're still around skating on the ice. <laughs> I mean, P.K. Subban, one of the most skilled hockey players in a generation. I mean, next-level tough guy, defenseman, so you know he's got that physical toughness. I just – I got to go with P.K. Subban for my third pick in ESPN Survivor. Very good. Very good pick. Uh, my last pick. You know, when you're stranded on a desert island, you have no idea where things are coming from. You're catching strays all over the place, right? You're uncomfortable. You don't know where the hits are coming from. You've got to survive. You've got to withstand it. I'm going Austin Rivers. I am going Austin Rivers, as I think Austin Rivers has proven that uh, he can withstand some of this stuff that comes his way out of nowhere, including maybe from his own teammates, as a matter of fact. (laughs) So I am taking Austin Rivers. So 
Final tally. Smalls has Schefter, Orlovsky, and Rex Ryan. Yep. CeCe has Shannon Sharp, Malika Andrews, and P.K. Subban. And I have Harry Douglas, Chris Fowler, and Austin Rivers. Pat, Jovante, Nuno, who did we leave out? You always like to give us the undrafted free agents that we may have left out here. Is there someone that jumps to mind? I like someone for this who's a little quiet, but is clearly very smart and can solve a problem or two. I'm going with Doug Glanville. Nice. Doug Glanville. Nice. Wow. Yeah, he's really smart. He's like too smart almost. Like I, I wouldn't be smart enough to even think about somebody that smart. That's a good one. Doug Glanville. Very good one. Any other ones that we left out? Well, I know some of you guys have picked them. Like Mar- Swagoo is always a safe uh, yeah. choice with that. Um, so, but I know. Uh, just trying to think, Kevin Weeks, another hockey guy. Oh, yep. yeah. Thinking of that, yeah. like something Thought of that him. nature. Thought about him. Yeah, if we are playing a reality game, like if this is a competition, insiders are the way to go because they're going to be able to extract information out of the other people on the island and use it to our advantage or their advantage. So That's you're going point. information people over tough people because CC definitely went with tough people. I have both on my list. Yeah. That's interesting. I, you- I did go with tough people, but not too tough, though. Like I, I had Daniel <laughs> Cormier as an honorable mention. I wasn't sure. If that, if that was necessarily going to be the best addition on the team. Cause, just because I'm just saying, with all of the personalities, sometimes things can clash, things could get physical, and I know that's an L waiting to happen if Daniel, Daniel Cormier is on my survivor team. Just saying. One quarterback not feared by the masses. Who that is next on Sportsmanlike. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.